All right, so uh, as you see today, the topic or the theme is the collect of the day. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, the theme that we'll be getting at, which has to do with prayer. What does the word collect mean and the like? Let us pray. Grant, we beseech thee, Almighty God, unto thy church, thy Holy Spirit, and the wisdom which cometh down from above, that thy word as becometh it may not be bound, but have free course, and be preached to the joy and edifying of Christ's holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve thee, and in the confession of thy name abide unto the end. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. All right, Proverbs 15, 8, and 29 um, are appropriate. It's, it's amazing with Proverbs, and also, of course, with the Psalms, you have... References to prayer all over the place. And one of the places in Proverbs 15, for example, verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Which kind of then begs the question, when we talk about prayer, um, in fact, when we, when we spoke of worship way back when, uh, as we were introducing uh, the divine service, the liturgy, and what Christian worship is, we find a great distinction here between the wicked and the upright. The wicked and the righteous. So often we think of wicked in terms of what people do and good in terms also of what people do, but before God, the categories are quite distinctly different. One is good not by what they do, but in what they believe or by faith, right? Or they're considered evil by what they disbelieve, or in their disbelief, unbelief. Um, I, I came across, um, actually I finished reading a, a little booklet, um, it, it's another translation, and the title is The Freedom of the Christian. It was a treatise written by Luther in, I want to say 1521, around that time period. And uh, in that book, he, he draws attention to the fact that one is good not by what they do, but they're first good, and then they do good. Um, one is not evil because of what they do. Rather, they're first evil, and therefore they do what is bad. Uh, Jesus says this in a different way in, in, in Matthew 7, very similar, but Matthew 7, you know, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. If you have bad fruit, what is the problem? Is it the fruit or the tree? Okay, well, if it's attached still to the tree, it's because of the tree. That's the idea, right? Um, so, you know, in, in, this, uh, in this treatise, he, he, he says these enlightening, profound things that, um, you know, the builder of a house, for example, is it the, the, the builder of the, is it the house that makes a builder good? He uses that reference. Or is it the builder that is good that makes or builds a good house, Right? You know, in, in a similar fashion, he, he says a wicked person is not wicked uh, because they do evil. Rather, they do evil because they're wicked. With, which is a great distinction and, and very helpful in terms of prayer, um, you know, to, to recognize it's, you know, so if one is wicked, their, their sacrifices, their, their uh, praises and, and thanks to God is not going to be accepted because they're wicked, not because of their prayer. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Why might that be? 
as we are introducing this topic. Why is the sacrifice of the wicked an abomination to the Lord? Why does the Lord not accept the prayers of the unbeliever? Because they're not praying to him. Yeah. Well, just like Cain. Well, yeah. They're, they're not praying to him, but they're not praying to him, and I would add, they're not praying to him the way that he wants to be prayed to, in the same condition, right? So, you know, when um, you, you've probably heard this prayer, which is not really a prayer, but God, give me what I want, or else. <laughs> you know, that's not a prayer. You know, a, a prayer, one who prays properly, will, will pray uh, to the Lord, through having faith in Jesus Christ and saying, not my will, but yours be done. You know, you're the one that determines, not me. Um, and, you know, also with reference to this, I mean, what does faith say? Faith says and confesses that God does everything in Christ Jesus. But what does the unbeliever say? Is it is about God's grace in Christ Jesus by which an unbeliever approaches God or tries to approach God? No. What I want or you know, somehow based on the individual, right? You know, you, you ask, uh, and, and this, was, this was years ago, it's, 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 it's quite outdated, and, and maybe there's, no, there's more current numbers concerning this question, but I remember years ago, and this was probably a couple decades ago when there was, uh, there was that questionnaire among Lutherans too, you know, and, and not just Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but all branches of Lutherans. And, and the question was this, how are you saved? Does anyone remember that from years ago? Yeah. You know, um, the number one answer was, do you remember? I think the predominant answer was by works. Um, by grace? No. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. But, but, but many answered because of what I do. You know, so there have been, uh, you know, even more recently, and, and I, I don't, this is, uh, I, I don't know if any stance would, uh, would support this, but there was a guy by the name of uh, Kirk Cameron. You might recall him from Full House. I think that's the one. Um, in the Left Behind movie, yeah. Um, he was in part, he was a, a part of a man, or not part of a man. He was part of a group, um, and I, I can't remember the, the guy's name now. But he, uh, he, I remember listening to a tape, it's called Hell's Best Kept Secret. Has anyone heard that? No, I can't say that again. Who's Hell's Best Kept Secret. Oh. And I, I forget the name of the guy. Um, I, I can picture his face, I can hear his voice. And I, I think he's kind of involved with the master's touch, which is kind of an evangelism you know, kind of thing. But what he would do, and Kirk Cameron participated with him on this, um, Robert, no, that's not right. I was thinking Bell, but that's maybe not right. I'll have to look it up. Um, but anyway, they would go to these college campuses and around, and they would ask people, so, you know, you know, do you hope to go to heaven? And, of course, everybody says, yes, I hope to go to heaven. And then he asked, well, why? Why do you think, you know, God would allow you into heaven kind of thing? And he didn't say it necessarily that way, but most of them said. Because they're good. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah, exactly. I haven't killed anybody. And and one of the things that then he would continue um, with, you know, he'd say, okay, well, you, you you say you haven't killed anybody. That's great. Um, but then he would say, have, have you ever, um, you know, cursed someone? 
or wished evil on someone? Have you ever hated someone? And then say, yeah, I, I guess I have. And then they might explain a little bit more and say, okay, so you're a murderer. The Bible says that you're a murderer. Um, you know, to the guys, he would say, you know, have you ever, have you committed adultery? No, no, no. Um, have you ever thought about a woman? Oh, yeah, plenty of times. You know, okay, so you're, you're, you're an adulterer. So, so right now you're a murderer, you're an adulterer. Um, have you ever told any lie? Well, not a big lie, you know. Just, okay, so what you're telling me is you're a liar, you're an adulterer, and a murderer, <laughs> you know. And, you know, then it, it's, uh, it's kind of along the lines, but the, the idea, the thought is, you know, with reference to that, that, that people go to heaven because, based on what they do, but that's not what the gospel says. That's not what God reveals in his word. And in the same way, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit last night in the new member class, I think, but in terms of prayer... Um, so many say, okay, prayer is my conversation with God, meaning God also speaks with me in prayer. And that's not how it works. Um, in, in fact, uh, I, I came across this uh, years ago, but this idea that some have in Christianity that prayer itself is a means of grace. Now, you know what I mean by means of grace, right? A means of grace is a means by which God gives the forgiveness of sins one from Jesus on the cross. And, you know, how do I get right with God? Some might say, well, pray. Um, but that's not also how it works. Prayer is conversation with God, yes, but it's not a two-way conversation. It's a one-way. Where does God speak to us? Yeah. Sacrament, you know, with the word. So word and sacrament, you know, so how do I, you know, and that, that kind of, you know, bothers me quite a bit when people say, well, God spoke to me. I don't know if you've heard that before from others, but God spoke to me and he said this and it's like, oh, where is that in scripture? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say it's 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 absolutely not, but at the same time, when when we when we use terms and and um, language that speaks of God talking, um, we have to be careful and 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 say we know God is speaking absolutely, surely, and certainly in His Word. I think He does. Yeah. Well, well, some some will. You know, I, I've heard I've heard of some preachers, not so much in the Lutheran uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, but I've I've heard of some preachers that actually they'll they'll um, they'll get up to preach on a Sunday morning and they'll say, you know, I had this sermon all printed out, ready to go, but the Spirit has moved me to say something else. Um, and and then, you know, what, what what I'm curious about is, okay, what does the pastor then say? And does is it in accord with Scripture? You know, and that's that's the big deal in, in terms of in terms of comparing. So we might we might hear something or be reminded of something or you know like that still small voice as we might say, but there's there's not a hundred percent certainty that that's of God or from God unless we can also find in His Word 
that that's where it's from. Well, you know, like something will be bothering me, and yeah. I'll do my devotion that day and open the portals of prayer, mm-hmm. and there's the verse I needed to hear. Right, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. That is God talking. Yeah, and, and, that's, and, and that, that's where the certainty is, because if I hear something or if I think something and something's there, it, it's not sure. But what God has in his word, what God speaks through preachers who you know, study the word and the like, um, that, is, that is positive. You know, where, where we can say, okay, this is what God says right here in this place. Um, and, and that's why you know, pastors you know, will say, okay, this is what the Lord says, and they'll make a distinction. Well, this is just my opinion. You know, to distance themselves from, from the word and say, okay, I theorize that. You know, but but don't take that as as revelation because it's not. The revelation is what God gives in His Word. Okay, comments. Okay, so these people who speak in tongues, where do they get these words? Whatever they're saying. Um, there's a. I I think one of three options, and I I, I use you know kind of the same analogy with magic, right? Um. It's either fake. Um, I, I guess, um, well, with magic, it's a little bit differently, but we'll, we'll stick with the, the speaking of tongues. One, it's either real, it's of God, it's fake, or it's from Satan and the demons. Um, you know, the, the question, I, I way back when in my college years, I, I, I was going out with someone, and uh, she was a, a, an Assemblies of God member. So we went to the Assemblies of God in town, and I, I thought it was kind of comical in a way uh, because you know, they, they didn't call it speaking in tongues, I guess, but prophesying. Mm-hmm. You know, and this woman kind of gets up and shouts and, and says, you know, something, you know, she, she seemed to be just quoting the Bible if I remember right, but, you know, basically mothers, fathers, train up a child in the way they should go, and then she sat down, and it's like the Bible says that. <laughs> I mean, that's um, it was a little bit different. Because I heard them, but I couldn't even understand what they were saying. Right. And and, and my, a friend of mine, I went with her, mm-hmm. and, and that guy, he was like, yeah. it scared him. Scared him. Yeah. 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 And the, the preacher's marching up down the aisle screaming, and all of a sudden he tears off his kite, all of a sudden everybody starts speaking in tongues and doing this and falling down and crying. Yeah. And my friend and I just looked at each other and we're just like, yeah. it scared me to death. I got so chills all Sometimes somebody Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I would say, um, you know, the... Generally speaking, those who, who those who speak in tongues because of their theology, um, it can't be of God. They're supposed to be an interpreter that someone. Yeah, yeah. Supposed to be yeah. That can, can say yeah. what they're saying so because that is very very scary. You know, From, a situation like that. Well, and, and when you don't know what they're saying, I mean, the the purpose of preaching is what. You know, to make it clear. Yeah, you know, to make it clear. You know, and, and so Paul actually, in the context, I think of 1 Corinthians 14, he said he would he he would say things like. You know, I would rather speak five words that people understand than than you know, you know, many more words that people have no clue about. Of course, it's wasted. 
Yeah. There's a theory in that church that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Right. Yes. Which is contrary to what the Bible teaches. Because what what is what is the linchpin of salvation? Is it speaking in tongues? No. No. If someone you know, if someone believes in Christ as their Savior, guess what the Spirit has done? Converted them. Right? I, I you know, so you know that that's like saying, well, you have to do this certain thing to be Christian. Um, maybe it's not given to everyone. You know. And interestingly, too, I mean, that, that is an extreme position, and thankfully, I, I think the majority of charismatic um, church bodies don't, don't, don't go to that extreme. Um, but if they are using Paul, um, they also have to recognize, um, which they may not as, as, uh, as clearly as they ought, most certainly, um, but Paul says, you know, there are different gifts that the Spirit gives to different people. Speaking in tongues is one of them, but so is prophesying, so is teaching, um, so is caregiving and mercy. Um, and, uh, and, and there's a huge, huge distinction. So, I mean, when, when you look at kind of the big picture, what are they about? And what, what I find intriguing to me is that, you know, there's, there's emphasis on the work of the Spirit in these various facets in terms of speaking in tongues or healing. I mean, that always kind of bothered me way at a congregation in Wisconsin uh, that, uh, you know, was probably about a mile or two away. And they would advertise, and it was a small, you know, kind of a Christian fellowship, and they would advertise, you know, healing service at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I, I would drive by there and I would say, how do they do that? I mean, do they have a connection with God that they can say, hey, God, can you uh, be here you know, at 7 p.m., you know, to heal, um, you know, kind of thing. I, I, I don't remember that working out that way in, in the Old Testament or the New Testament at all. You know, the, the advertising part was just not there. I, I do recall, like, in, in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, I think it's in, is it chapter 4, where you have the man who uh, was lame and he was asking for alms. You know, and uh, you know, in front of the temple, and Peter and John were going towards the temple to pray, and they see this man there, and he looks at them, and and Peter and John both recognize that he has faith to be, you know, to be healed. And he says, "Gold and silver I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, pick up your bed and walk." And guess what he did? You know, it wasn't advertised. Okay, on this day, come on down. You know, in my mind, I have. Uh, you may you may know the name Benny Hinn. Who? Benny Hinn. Um, what's that? <laughs> but but he would have these crusades, and uh, you know, in these crusades, he would be proclaiming, preaching, uh, not really the gospel, of course, but kind of this prosperity um, and other stuff. But he would have he would be the one like wearing a, a lot of times he wears a white suit, you know, and, and then he has a stream of people coming forward and he's going to heal them, you know, he touches oh, them yeah. and they might fall backward, you know, and and, and so on and so forth. But um, he he's not a Christian. I mean, he might claim to be, but what he preaches and teaches is not Christianity. Um, I remember hearing uh, that uh, at one point uh, he actually preached that the Trinity is not three persons but seven. Don't don't ask me how he got that. Um, he was way off, and and so 
You know, so, so it, it's almost like a package deal. You know, if they're off on one point, they're often off on many points because they're starting from a different foundation. Why? You know, yeah. Yeah, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. So Proverbs 15, 29, similarly, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Okay, so whenever we talk about prayer, you know, it's it's necessary also to be speaking about faith because, um, I, and I know this upsets quite a few people. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I acknowledge that, but, you know, Scripture teaches that God does not hear the prayer of the wicked. So, I mean, if you think about that, what does that mean then for our society, right? I mean, what does it mean for, you know, well, all you have to do is pray. You know, speak to a non-believer that way. Um, how can they? You know, um, you know, we, we, we hear, for example, in, in Romans 14 and in Hebrews chapter 11, um, and also in, uh, in Romans, uh, the 8th chapter, I think it is, that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, without faith, the writer to the Hebrews says in, in chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the question is, is one of faith then, right? So, I mean, that's kind of, a, 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 I think, a, a, you know, a good basis for speaking about the collect of the day or worship in general, right? If there's no faith, and that's why, you know, we've said this before, but what is Christian worship if it's not Christian? It's false worship. And we get to get back into Ezekiel this Sunday, by the way, um, and, and we'll kind of be looking at that a little bit um, more, of course, because in Ezekiel's day, and you see this in the rest of the prophets too, I, I'm amazed, um, you remember the Old Testament reading from Sunday with Amos. You know, Amos, Amos uh, you know, God speaks through Amos and says, you know, why are you looking forward to the day of the Lord? Yeah, it's, it's going to be darkness, not light, as you think it will be, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and so it's not derived from what we think. It's, it's, it's given by what God himself reveals about how things are going to be, okay? So, there we go. All right, so the salutation, so the collect of the day, remember, begins with the words, the Lord be with you. And then you say, <laughs> and, also with you. and also with you, or with thy spirit. Okay, so look at uh, look at uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 22. Even this is from the Bible. The Lord be with you, and then and then with the uh, you know the conclusion. 2 Timothy 4, verse 22. The Lord be with your spirit. Spirit should capitalize there. I don't know. In, in mine, it's not. Oh, on your on your slide up there, it is. It is okay. Yeah, and maybe that's because it. Well, I, I I'm thinking I, I I may have printed that from the uh, from the LSB glossary which I don't have uh, by me right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would be kind of an interesting conversation. And with your spirit, what does that mean? Right? 
because uh, we, we do find that in Scripture and with your spirit. Um, you know, and here I, I think we, we could certainly find a distinction uh, between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is, is given by God and, uh, and the like. I want to see if there's an... Yeah, and with your spirit, so in, in the... Uh, the, or the, the Lutheran Study Bible has a couple references to Galatians, Philippians, and Philemon. Uh, though the letter is personal, uh, is a personal note that Timothy is to share with these with these others. Uh, you is plural here. The Lord be with you. So the Greek is actually plural, not singular, and most likely indicates that the letter was intended for reading the, in the entire congregation at Ephesus. I mean, that's the only note that they give here. Um, so let's see. So it, it, they, they have a note here, uh, with your spirit, see Galatians 6.18. So again, Galatians chapter 6, that's the last chapter of Galatians. And what, what's interesting about uh, Paul's letters, a number of, of his letters basically follow this format. He usually starts with a greeting, also identifying who he is. You know, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, Paul, an apostle, and the like, and then we, we find conclusion. Um, but notice in verse 18 of Galatians 6, similarly, you know, Paul uses that word spirit, and it's, it's lowercase here as well, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And the, the footnote here might be of more help or value with reference to, you know, capital S or lowercase s. Um, the, the footnote here says, not the Holy Spirit, but simply an expression meaning with you. And I would, I would venture to say it's greater than that, but um, the word of the epistle is, the kind, is this kind greeting. So, um, but, but we see that, and you know, so, so some of the words we take for granted, I think, in, in the divine service... Um, are actually from Scripture. You know, we'll look at that in, in particular um, at, at various other places, but one comes to mind specifically, and that's with the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. That's from Numbers. You know, and, and that's uh, actually the words that God gave the priests to say in blessing of the people. And then, um, kind of, and, and I, I, I don't... I don't remember if we talked about this with reference to the invocation, baptism, um, but it is phenomenal because, because following that, God says, this is how the priest will place my name on my people. The Lord bless you and keep you. You know, a, a lot of times we're, we might, you know, some might be looking at their watch or whatever and say, okay, the benediction, that means we've got a, one more hymn to go and then we're done. Um, but those words actually mean something. It's not just, okay, we're wrapping it up, folks. Um, but we actually receive the blessing from all that God has given before in the service, too. You know, kind of summed up there. The salutation is more than a fitting sentiment. It is part of the everyday speech of God's people. Um, and and I, I think it's a good practice, you know, when, uh, for example, when a pastor comes to your house, for example, hint, hint, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but, but, but even for a pastor to visit someone in their home that is a member or visiting someone in the hospital or visiting a shut-in, you know, someone who's near death, the Lord be with you. 
You know, rather than a, hi, how are you doing? You know, kind of thing. It, it, it almost sets the tone then for the visit. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're going to say this, but just I, I can't help but look at Ruth chapter 2 and verse 4. Okay. It gives you Old Testament precedent for this. And I think the setting is really kind of very insightful. It's <clears throat> Boaz, mm-hmm. who owns a farm or a ranch, and yeah, he goes yeah. out there and he, every morning it says he, he greets his workers, mm-hmm. employees, with, may the Lord be with you. Mm-hmm. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. Mm-hmm. So there was that salutation exchange between mm-hmm. employer and employees. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds very liturgical to me. <laughs> I wonder. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, there is that dynamic there and then in various other places too. You know, um, and I mean, it's it, 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 it's kind of wild, but it, it directs the attention away from you know, just, you know, the, the everyday, the ordinary, apart from God, but rather the everyday, the ordinary, you know, with God in the midst of that. You know, I, you know and we emphasize as, as Christians, you know, not only um, uh, who we are, but, but specifically whose we are. You know, and, th- and that comes out with, with reference to, you know, altar and pulpit fellowship. That comes out with reference to... Uh, Unity in doctrine, in teaching, um, and and by the way, I, I'm kind of I, I've been contemplating this more and more these days, especially with um, with uh, you know COVID nineteen. I shouldn't say COVID nineteen restrictions. I should say government restrictions because of their ideas about COVID nineteen, right? Something to that effect. But but you know this, it, it continues to occur to me. What do we call ourselves as Christians with one another? Brothers and sisters, what does that mean? You know, with reference to, you know, you have government that says, okay, you, you know. It's getting to the point that, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about, and maybe you've heard this, they're, they're getting to the point of talking about, okay, when, when you eat Thanksgiving, when you, when you meet with other family members, be sure to keep distance. Oh, and wear your masks, too, and everything. And it's like, okay, where have we gone? Um, yeah. No more potlucks, no, right? No. You're supposed to take a bite, put your mask on. That's yeah. And and my question is why? I mean, what what is it going to? What purpose is it going to serve? You know, it's it's the perceived control. No, you right? control the mask thing. I want us into Sharia law. Well, that that would be actually. Uh, and my wife mentioned the other day that was it in New York. And I, I don't know if this is mandated now. I'm, I'm assuming so, but you know the the police can't make a woman take off her her uh, covering. You know, and and it's like that in other countries. But I mean, this is yeah. But uh, so that that would be for another topic. But I, I think trying to dictate, you know, and, and this is where I'm coming from, trying to dictate to the church, you know, how, you know, when she can meet or how she can meet, and so on and so forth. Um, that's that's really begging the question. What does you know? I, I think that's where a, a great deal of conflict comes in because God says one thing, but the government is saying something completely different. 
Um, and and that's, we're going to be discussing that, I think, at the next circuit meeting with the pastors in particular, uh, because I don't think things are going to be loosening up anytime soon. You know, um, but, uh, you know, tightening up. And, you know, speaking of, of family, well, you know, there's, there's more important things than the temporal. The eternal far outweighs, you know, and um, I don't know, the, the damage that, that is being done now is, is very concerning. When the sharpens iron, and if we're not supposed to be together, I mean, we need that. Yeah, we absolutely need that fellowship. And maybe that's part of the whole plan. They are. They want to tell us when we give up and we just go home. Yeah. So there, there's uh, probably more likely conversation that is going to be continuing uh, with reference to this. Because as God's people can't stay away from each other for any length of time. And remain Christian, by the way. Hebrews tells us to not neglect the assembly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to me that sometimes God lets things like that happen. When you're oppressed, you tend to come together more. Makes you more stubborn, huh? Yeah. My well, brother was, yeah. lived in Salt Lake City, and, and oh. the Christians there clung together, the different congregations clung together more. Because they were persecuted pretty much. They were persecuted by the Mormons. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't, a lot of, a lot of times, uh, my brother, he was a IT person. And those jobs roll, you know, they'll hire you until things run smooth and then they lay you off. And he was looking for jobs. And a lot of times the requirement on those jobs was approval of your bishop. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, well don't, don't think for a minute. That's, that's him. Continue. But the different <laughs> Christian congregations mm-hmm. clung together more, more so under that. It, it's interesting. When you're oppressed, you, you tend to... Together. Well, and, and, you know, just to, to add to that, if I might, and, and that is, you know, it, it's not only, you know, binding together, but I, I think um, also, um, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, somewhat of Luther here, you know, he was, you know, he was basically on trial throughout his ministry, right? So when he, when he posted the 95 theses, people kept asking him questions. And, you know, one of the questions that stuck out in his mind, and he writes about this, is, are you the only one for thousands of years that is right. You know, and why I'm saying this is it drives you to find out what your basis is. You know, in, in other words, you know, why are we Christian? You know, what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be Christian church? What does it mean to be in fellowship? You, 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 you more intensely, perhaps, in some fashion, study, you know, more, um, you know, more um, diligently. You know, to to uh, to receive that confidence. Yeah, I'm in the right, and I'm not in the right because I choose to be. I'm in the right because God Himself declares this to be so. You had a comment over here. Was it Bill? No. No. Okay. But yeah, good good point. And I, I think um, you know I, I I've used the analogy of how does how do muscles get bigger? How does one get stronger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the good kind of stress, right? But, uh, but I mean, it it can be hard. How does how does faith grow, right? 
You know, God exercises your faith. How does he do that? In various and many ways. Um, you know, uh, one of the ways, of course, is remind us, you know, how sinful we are, you know, by means of his word, you know, that we turn to him. But also that's from within, but also from without, too, right? All right, any, any comments, any questions? Yeah. I, going back a little way to uh, earlier comments, you know, like, do we hear a small voice speaking to us during the day? And, and I think of the image of our Good Shepherd, you know, and, you know, Luther's morning prayer, evening prayer, we're asking the Lord to guide us with his spirit, mm-hmm. watch over us with his holy angels all day long. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that means, although Deuteronomy suggests, you know, we keep the word of the Lord in front of us, you know, when we get up in the morning, when we go about our day, mm-hmm. when we go to bed at night, but mm-hmm. not too many of us carry a Bible around with us all the right. time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I, I do think, I, it's, I'm hesitant to limit the Lord. You know, if he's whispering to you in a mm-hmm. still small voice, right. he can guide you as a good shepherd would yeah. in your daily thoughts, your daily activities. You know, I, I don't want to squelch that. Um, I think uh, the other half of the discussion is, you know, if we are a still small voice that's leading away from God's word mm-hmm. or contradicts his word or puts you into a, a, a precarious situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, Peter didn't quote chapter and verse right away when the, you know, when the Sanhedrin was telling the Stop preaching in this name. He just says we must obey God rather than men, mm-hmm. and and that's the kind of the checkpoint for all of us if we're having impulses. <clears throat> you know what would you know? Right. And, and to me, the measuring stick is always the cross of Jesus. You know, it's it, is it the shepherd leading me on this one? Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, you know to go visit a friend, you know somebody you haven't seen in a while, give him a phone call, or mm-hmm. you know the Lord nudging us to you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And, and yet we continue to place our confidence and our trust in God's word. Mm-hmm. That's you know? right. That's right. Yeah. And if you're not in God's word, then you don't get those experiences. You might have a feeling, but you ignore them because you don't know what it's all about. Well, there are those. I mean, maybe I've used this before. This is just an extreme example. But years ago with, um, um, oh, what's her name, Amy Grant. Have Amy I used Grant. that already? Um, I, I think I have. But, but you know, she was married, and, and she said that God told her to marry another man, to divorce oh, her she husband. Was married. Yeah. No. She married him from God. Well, yeah. No, but, but that's the point, because even if you're in the Word, uh-huh. you know, you know, even though, you, and, and I, I don't know what was going on in her mind, but I do know that's not what God says. Um, Amy, Amy Grant, even in her heyday of Christian music and yeah. all, there were rumors out there of her running around naked or topless at some party and this and that. Yeah. We were hearing all kinds of rumors about her. Yeah. And the next thing you know is what you just said, and I don't think she's even in Christian music anymore. I think it's all pop. Well, that's possible, you know, and I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, one of the problems, though, is like, you know, that, and, and we hear this from, from other Christian groups, right? You know, we have the Bible, we're in the Word and, and the like, but it's it's not only, you know, I, I'm finding it's not only saying we believe the Bible or we're in the Word, it's how one is in the Word. You know, because um, I've, you know, kind of an extreme example, um, but I, I think, is this from the Psalms, you know, um, Let's see. Um, well, let's see. Um, you know, uh, I, I can't. I, I can finish it. I just can't start it. And it's like you know, um, the idea is that uh, the Lord will lead you. You know, He would give you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own. own lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Kind of that idea, but that's not the exact verse. Um, but I, I once came across someone. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the one I was thinking of. And uh, why I'm mentioning this is uh, because this individual was a homosexual. And it's almost like, I mean, she, she, she was aware of what the Bible said, but only half so. You know, so, you know, God will give you the desires of your heart. What about the first part? What does that mean? Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, exactly, but but people are very just very selective in terms of what they apply to themselves, you know. Um, so you know, the the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Oh well, you know, if you just read that, you know, how many people think that they're unrighteous other than Christians because of their sin? And uh, you know, kind of a kind of a big deal. But they they're still using the Bible, and we hear that so often today. Um, you know, politicians will regularly, you know, quote scripture every now and then, right? But but listen to how they're using it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember there there was this uh, spirit named Satan that also used scripture. Well, you know, a created being, yeah, an angel. Um, but but uh, if you recall, and we'll, we'll take a break in just a moment. Uh, but I recall the uh, is it the second or the second temptation? 
in Matthew and Luke's gospel where he says, you know, throw yourself down from the temple because God has promised, you know, to protect you. And he actually quotes from, I think it's Psalm 91. But he misses the point. Because just before that, you know, you know, the psalmist says, because I have trusted in the Lord. You know, he, he was taking it out of context. And, uh, you know, and that's what Satan does. And, and we see that over and over again. That's why, you know, if, if you're reading a book or hearing a, a preacher and he uses 20 different translations of the Bible, there's probably a good reason why he's using 20 different translations because he wants it to say what he wants yeah, it to say. <laughs> Not, not saying what the Bible actually says. And one of the common <clears throat> secular mantras of this generation is, well, just follow your heart. I mean, I think they even have that in Disney movies when our little <laughs> children are watching these things and they're getting indoctrinated. Yeah. Like, well, just follow your heart. Yeah. The Word of God says well, the heart is... Yeah. The heart is desperately weak. Well, you know, it, it's... From, from the heart proceeds all manner of wickedness and evil. And again, it's like, am I pursuing this still small voice to right. serve me? Or is it yeah. good glory to my Savior? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll conclude with this thought. Um, and, and that is, uh, you might not know this, but I, I kind of like some, some Star Wars movies. Um, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. But Star Wars, they, they, they were showing on... Uh, one of the channels, um, I think it was the, I think it was episode three, before or when uh, when Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so after after the, you know after doing what he did at the Jedi Temple, okay, to use the language there, the Jedi Temple, um, Yoda and and Obi Wan are talking, and uh, Yoda is saying you, you've got to find Anakin. Uh, I'll take care of the emperor, and, and Obi's like, I can't, I can't take his life. He's my student, and so on and so forth. And he says, you must. And I, and then he says, I don't know where to begin to look for him. And Yoda says, trust your feelings. They, <laughs> they will lead you, you know. To you know, and he, he, of course, you know, it's Hollywood. They, he found him and stuff. But, <laughs> well, that, uh, that was the whole but, Jedi thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's all witchcraft. Yeah. It's all witchcraft. Yeah. So it's it, it's different. It's it's not God be with you. Uh, yeah. So in the latest one, I understand there's a scene where somebody says, "May the force be with you," and the other person says, "And also with you." <laughs> that that's the Star Wars liturgy, right? Um, yeah. All right. Maybe that's not a good place to stop right now, but we'll uh, we'll meet back in another ten minutes. So. What do you mean? All right. Please open your Bibles to Judges six. So Joshua judges and then Ruth. <laughs> judges chapter six, and here we have uh, the call of Gideon. Uh, 
So verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Okay, so we, we, we saw that before with, uh, uh, or we heard of that with, with reference to Ruth and Boaz, um, not, well, in the book of Ruth, uh, Boaz. Um, there's a few other places too, a little bit later in verse 23 of the same chapter, uh, verse 23, uh, the Lord said to him, Peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Uh, Peace be to you, of course, that comes up a number of times in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, specifically with reference to angels. You know, we talked about that before, perhaps, concerning like the angel Gabriel visiting Zechariah in the temple, and then the angel Gabriel visited Mary. Peace to you. You know, and specifically to her, you have found favor with God and the like. And uh, so that's another reference we have, of course, is in the New Testament, Luke chapter 1. Please turn to that, Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And I'm, I'm assuming we'll probably hear more about this in time to come because we're soon approaching the season of Advent. And then, of course, Christmas, too. And yet, this takes place about nine months before Christmas. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Just in terms of time. So, is it is it in, in uh, March or April? Nine months prior to December 25th would be what month? When Mary got pregnant. Probably March. What yeah. But like in terms of month, and, and so there's a... Imagine, imagine that there's a place on the church calendar for the Annunciation of our Lord. So, nine months before... We celebrate his birth. But uh, verse 28 in particular, of course, this is the angel Gabriel, the sixth month um, after the sixth month of, uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And in verse 28 it is, we have these words, the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then she being greatly troubled, and then in verse 30 the angel said, Do not be afraid. Uh, for you have found favor with God. But, but you know, for, for our purposes, the words, the Lord is with you. In other words, he's on your side. He's not here to judge you. Uh, he's, he's rather here for you. Uh, John 20, verse 19, also comes to mind. So John, I love to hear all these pages. That, that does my heart good to hear so John chapter 20 verse 19 and this is uh, Jesus of course appearing to his disciples Thomas is not there and in verse 19 of course he says peace be with you he says to them he says that a little bit later too in verse uh, 26 as well, that's eight days later when the disciples were inside and Thomas was with them, and he says, "Peace be with you there also." The greetings of the pastor that announces the presence of the Lord. The Lord is with you. The Lord be with you. And give gifts uh, precedes a collect. The Lord be with you. This greeting occurs here, and this is from uh, just. 
Dr. Arthur Just, who's the um, a professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. And he, uh, he writes, This greeting occurs here before the gifts are given in the liturgy of the word and in the preface to the liturgy of the Lord's Supper where the gift given is the very body and blood of Christ. So we'll see that with a preface. The Lord be with you and also with you. Sometimes we sing it, right? Uh, the Lord be with you and with your spirit um, and the like. So responses there. The greeting and response of the people announces the special relationship between the pastor and his flock. For as one who stands in the stead and by the command of Christ, he is the one through whom the gifts are given um, on behalf of the congregation, of course. Right. So um, what we have here is, is really, uh, if you've ever wondered about this, there is actually a structure to the collects. And the structure is as follows. This is... Uh, I believe from LSB, uh, from the glossary again, but you, you basically have five different parts to the collect, and some of them are kind of together, but you have an address to God. So the prayer that I read this morning was actually from TLH under the prayers. It's a collect. Um, Grant we beseech the Almighty God unto thy church, thy Holy Spirit. So that would be an address. Um, and then the basis for the prayer... Um, and then we have the petition, the desired benefit or result, what we're seeking, and then the Trinitarian conclusion. So oftentimes, of course, you know, we conclude, uh, you know, through your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. What I'm suggesting here and what this uh, is drawing attention to is that actual structure of the collect. And uh, I have a question on the side. How might the structure of the collect, I should say listed uh, beside this, be helpful or useful for personal prayer, too? You know, oftentimes when, you know, uh, you know, for, for many Christians, you know, a prayer might simply just be the petition, which is fine. But there's more that could be said. And, uh, and, and Luther... Um, you may have heard of this. Uh, he wrote he wrote a little article, a little thesis uh, one time, a simple way to pray. Have you heard? Some of you have heard of that. I, I think it's been retranslated over the years. But uh, but essentially, it, it comes out of um, Luther getting a haircut, <laughs> and his barber asks him, you know, how to pray. And, and Luther writes this little treatise about how to pray. You know, so, so praying the small catechism, for example, the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, of course, that's obvious. Um, but, but also praying each petition of the Lord's Prayer, kind of expounding on it, um, or praying the Ten Commandments and expounding on them, um, you know, and, and the like. So using this kind of structure can be helpful. You know, God, you are the one who delivered us uh, from sin and death and the power of the devil. You command us to pray. You also promise to hear our prayers that are made to you through faith in Jesus Christ. Please help us, support us at this time of need and this time of uncertainty and anxiety in our nation, for example, um, that we have peace and that we glorify your name, that we be strengthened in the faith in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or you know something to that effect. But... Um, you know, this could be uh, elaborate. It can be also very simple, too. And this is just, uh, um, I, I shouldn't say just, but 
Um, it, it's amazing to me when you look at some of the prayers in the Old Testament in particular and how you, 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 you see somewhat of a similarity to this pattern. So like when Solomon, for example, uh, when he dedicates the temple, I think his prayer is pretty much an entire chapter at least. You know, about what God has done and you know, in that he, he petitions the Lord when foreigners come to this temple, when they pray to this temple, please hear them, you know, for your sake, you know, out of mercy and, and the like. But, uh, but this can be kind of a helpful format, you know, for um, verbalizing and articulating uh, more so uh, what it is that we're praying for, to whom we're praying, and the like. Based on the word, and and it's it's amazing because there are there are any number of prayers that are based, of course, on the word themselves, you know, or on the accounts, um, you know. So you know the the collect of the day, for example, generally kind of pulls together in a big way the theme of that particular Sunday based on generally the gospel text. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and so some lend themselves more than others, perhaps depending on circumstances. But there was a comment earlier, and I, I just kind of want to piggyback on that, especially with what you said. Memorize scripture too. You know, in the Psalms, like Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my my uh, redeemer. Uh, just before in Psalm one or Psalm 19 is uh, who can understand his errors, cleanse me from secret faults. You know, um, and, and, and there's, this, there, there's any slew of others, uh, you know, that, that actually are prayers. And that's what's so phenomenal because the words are actually there. And um, I, I've heard this before. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this when we get to the topic of the Lord's Prayer, which we say pretty much every Sunday, right? Um, but, but there's some say this is maybe an extreme position, but I, I think some some congregations don't even say the Lord's Prayer. Am I, yeah. you know, and and some even go so far as to say, well, you shouldn't say that prayer, because that's not the prayer that we ought to pray. We ought to pray from the heart. It's if a memorized prayer is vain repetitions. Right. So yeah. 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 And if that's if that's your only litmus test, then we're all in trouble. Yeah. Um, but 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 I would counter that and say, what better prayer than what? What better prayer than uh, that can one pray than the prayer that the Lord Jesus Himself taught us? Amen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've heard this before, and I, I, I came across this a while back. But some, some would, would even have the have the uh, audacity to say that you know we don't really pray for you know evangelism um, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, you do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean, right? Um, and, and also, if you, if you look at it, um, you know, literally, if, if someone says, for example, well, no, we, we shouldn't pray the Lord's Prayer because we need to pray from the heart. Um, what, what's fascinating is, uh, and I think it's in, is it Luke 9 or Luke 6? I can't remember. 
um, off, off the top of my head. I know Matthew 6 has the Lord's Prayer, but in, in Luke, Luke's Gospel, there's the parallel account. Or parallel account. Um, after the Beatitudes, I guess, uh, let's see, where is it? Why can't I find it? Okay, Luke 11. Now, and, and, and you know, if you're talking with, uh, with those of that position that have the extreme, and they say, you know, they, they will say, well, we believe what the Bible says, we believe what the Bible teaches. Just look at verses 1 and... Uh, and look at verses 1 and 2 of Luke 11. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus says to them, plural, when you pray, say. You know, it, it, you know and some will say the same thing concerning you know, the, the creed. You know, well, that's, th- those are just words of men. Um, and in a sense, they're right because, you know, men did, you know, put the words together. But then the question comes, okay, so what, what of the creed is in error with reference to what Scripture actually teaches? Does this mean that when Jesus was praying alone, this is what he was praying? Not necessarily. Um we're not told specifically what he was praying, um, but uh, you know, I I, I, I almost I want to say that uh, that there is a likelihood that he was praying the Psalms. Not always, perhaps, but uh, you know, when he prays from the cross, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" That's from Psalm 22, and there's more to the story too, you know, in Psalm 22. Um, but it, it, it's just. Uh, you know, read that sometime on your own, Psalm 22, uh, and you'll see, whoa, this is, this is, you know, really corresponding to the crucifixion and all that happened to Jesus, you know, on the cross and uh, and the like. We have the high priestly prayer, John 17. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of being a fly on the wall, listening to mm-hmm. praying. And yeah. Well, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we also hear. Yeah. And I, I think also Matthew 11, you know, and, and what I remember from Matthew 11 specifically is, you know, and, and you'll remember this too, where, where Jesus himself says, you know, um, you know, um, come to me and rest, all you who labor and are heavy laden, or come to me, all you who, are lab- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you. That is the context also in which we see a prayer of Jesus. You know, where he says, I thank you, Father, that you have not revealed this to the wise and prudent, but to babes. You know, and I mean, it, it's just, you know, you, you look at that and, uh, you know, you see how, how Jesus prays. And then in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, when you pray to his disciples, he says, when you pray, say, that's pretty indicative that that's what they're to say. The, the, the issue that we would have in, in terms of someone saying, well, you can't, you can't say a prayer that is that is uh, already written because it has to be from the heart. Well, who's to say it can't be from the heart if you're reading it? You know, and and then yeah, you look at the words too. You know, and uh, you know, and and that's what's amazing. I think about the Lord's prayer is, is that here, 
Jesus himself is teaching us not only how to pray by word, but also by meaning. You know, he's teaching us what to pray for. You know, so it's not, you know, notice he, he doesn't say, you know, give us all that we want in life. You know, um, but rather, you know, thy will be done. You know, forgive us our trespasses. Well, you know, forgive me um, and, and grant that I don't have to forgive others. Uh, no, not at all. You know, as you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if I am not forgiving someone else, I have a problem. It's not them. Right? Uh, lead us not into temptation. You know, God indeed tempts no one, but he, he would have us, this, have us pray this prayer, um, you know, that, uh, that he keep us in the faith, you know, kind of thing. All right? So, um, you know, using the Lord's Prayer and the petitions therein, you know, um, are, are phenomenal. So uh, just kind of wrapping this up a little bit, following the invitation for the people to join, the pastor in mind and spirit with words, let us pray, the Lord be with you and with your spirit or and also with you. And then he says, let us pray. It is a concise but purposeful prayer that is the collect, asking that the Lord would bless his church in a specific way based on generally the gospel, like I said. The term collect indicates that it is a collecting of the petitions of the congregation into one prayer. Okay, this is distinct, of course, from the, sometimes what is called the prayer of the church, which is the gathering of the various petitions um, that uh, the congregation may indeed uh, pray for. For example, if someone is sick or someone is dying, or um, this past Sunday uh, we also prayed for uh, uh, rain, for example. And and, and it, it kind of dawned on me, and I think I mentioned this at the at the circuit pastors meeting too. You know, I used to think from up north, you know, it's dry down here. But when you got people who live here saying it's dry, it must be really dry, right? Um, so, yeah. And then uh, I think this, this might be the last slide, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's not the last, but close to. Uh, the collect is usually related in thought to the gospel, and its chief function is to prepare the mind for the liturgical lessons, which are com- coming up. Okay, so the liturgical lessons, the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, epistle, and the gospel. The practice of having a chief collect of the day probably dates, and, and this will be a question or an answer maybe for, uh, for Pastor Blazik, uh, probably about St. Leo the Great. Really well. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of the date there, okay, so I'm not, I'm not dating you. Uh, most of the collects used in the divine service are of very ancient origin and come from either 450, 480, or 600 A.D. Hmm. So, um, yeah, and, and the, what, what we have, what I read from in, in from TLH, of course, uses the these and the thys and the we beseech thee, you know, kind of thing. So that language can be kind of kind of challenging. Um, but, uh, you know, for our generation, but yeah, yeah. All right, so, uh, and then just just for reflection then, um, let's see. I think, you don't have this slide here. So we'll just go here. Um, you know, there's there are some psalms there. And let's see. So prayers and God, prayer and God's promises, you know, Psalm 50, 15, does anyone have that uh, memorized? 
If not, you can use your Bibles too. Mm-hmm. You want me to read it? Yeah, please. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And this may or may not surprise you, but this also comes up in the explanation, I think, to the second commandment in Luther's small catechism. We should fear and love God um, that we uh, may not curse, swear, use witchcraft, lie, or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Right? That's from Psalm uh, 50, verse 15. Of course, there are others, too. Um, and then we have uh, other accounts in Matthew 7, Luke 11. Those are the, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer uh, areas where Jesus uh, teaches his disciples to pray, what to say, our Father, which is an amazing prayer. When we get to it, uh, we'll have to spend some time looking at it because, uh, because Jesus himself says, when you pray, say, and then he's including himself also in that prayer, our Father. Think about that for a moment. Um, but uh, John 14, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll read and then conclude with Philippians 4, verse verses 6 to 7. You say John 14. Uh, Philippians. Philippians. And and I, I will I will be the first to admit that uh, you know humanly speaking, uh, rejoicing always is not always our cup of tea, right? Um, rejoice in the Lord always. I, I I kind of think that you know some of us probably needed to recuperate, you know, you know from uh, these these past couple weeks and. You know, all the certainty that's going on. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I'll recommend this. Sometimes it's good just to turn the TV off. <laughs> and the radio, by the way, too. Um, but uh, verse verse 4, Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, I'm, I'm going a, a little bit behind. But verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Um and, uh, you know, he says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. That's pretty easy, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests remain known to God. Give it to him. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Oh, we've heard that before, haven't we? Uh, amazing how that works. Uh, which surpasses all understanding will guard and Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, uh, yeah, so verses 6 and 7 are there. And then uh, let me let me continue on by just reading uh, verse 8 also. Uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And uh, lastly, in verse 9, it's interesting because we, we kind of have another... Um, you know, that, that response of salutation, a discourse, because Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, in the midst of all this. So, um, you know, having, having faith in God, we cannot help but pray. And that's what Christians do. Um, whether we know it or not. Um, and, and sometimes you'll catch yourself, you know, you won't necessarily say, hey, I'm praying right now. You won't say that, but you'll... You'll, you'll you know reflect on it and, and say um, yeah 
um, I, I do call out to God, even when I'm not really, um, how should I say, giving as great of attention as I could. You know, you're driving and somebody cuts you off. That that only happens in, I, I thought that only happened in Wisconsin. Um, but no, it, it doesn't. You know, um, but then you might catch yourself saying, Lord, help me. You know, uh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, yeah, forgive me for thinking this, right? Um, it, it, it gets me that, you know, sometimes I'll be driving and then I'll see a semi. It's like half a mile up and it's like, okay, I'm coming up. He's not going to turn, is he? He's not going to turn onto the highway. Guess what he does? He turns onto the highway. But, uh, so and do OMGs come? OMGs? That's where our tongue is our, is our biggest source of sin. Our tongues. Yeah, because he cuts out this fast before we even think about it. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I think it, it, it comes from, you know, the, you know the, the problem is, you know, what we say, what we do comes from the heart. You know, and, and so, you know, there, there could be a, an OMG in the good sense. But I, I, I think, uh, you know, so often it doesn't mean anything to people. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, what do you mean by that, you know, kind of thing? Whereas, you know, someone like a, 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 a Christian... Um, you know, who is in dire straits. I mean, I, I would, you know, maybe I, I'll ask this question. What about Lord have mercy? You know, that sounds different, doesn't it? You know, someone says in a, in a situation, you say, oh, my God. You know, as in a plea for help, you know, Lord have mercy. Well, at least that's asking for something. <laughs> I yeah. Think most of the, you know, yeah. 95% of the OMGs is breaking the second commandment. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we could probably get into that later, but, but where does that come from? You know, that OMG, you know, breaking the second commandment comes from the heart. You know, as Jesus himself says, it's not what comes out, actually, that defiles a man, but what comes from within. Because it's, it's what's in the heart that defiles a man. Because there you have murderers, blasphemies, adulteries, etc., etc. Um, but but having the collect, uh, I'll conclude with this. I promise. Having the collect directs the thoughts of the day, you know, in the prayers, um, you know, especially uh, you know for the upcoming readings. Let us pray. Merciful God, we beseech thee to cast the bright beams of thy light upon thy church, that being instructed by the doctrine of the blessed apostles, it may so walk in the light of thy truth, that it may at length attain to the light of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen.